22 races in 20 different countries, over four continents, and almost 1,300 laps raced in over nine months of action. Ladies and gentlemen, we are finally here. We have our 2021 Formula One World Champion. At least we think we do, at any rate. It is Max Verstappen of Red Bull Racing, who is the 2021 Formula One World Champion. Welcome, everybody, to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. We are going to be recapping the 2021 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix today and also kind of a championship celebration show just to sort of wrap up the race recap podcast of this season. I've been super buzzing and excited to record this podcast ever since the insanity that happened just a couple of days ago on Sunday. And I'm really happy to have Shaker Party and Tyler McDonald joining me to give their thoughts on what was a wild season finale. Boys, how are you doing tonight? Oh man, it's finally over. The, the drama, everything we've been uh, going on about over this entire season, uh, it all came down to one lap, which uh, may be, uh, it's up there with one of the wildest finishes in F1 history for a world championship. Um, there's a few that come to mind, but I think this one uh, really will stick out there just with how many people were watching, how engaged people were, uh, you know, new F1 fans, old F1 fans, and uh, Max and Lewis supporters who were who were right at the neck of things uh, throughout the whole race. So what a phenomenal race! I don't think we could have asked for anything more exciting. Yeah, like absolutely unbelievable season overall. Um, the race was absolutely wild. Uh, who would have thought? You know, I think one of us said it's either going to be decided in the you know the first lap or the last lap. None of us said it would be decided in one lap, and I think I think that pretty much sums up this entire season and in terms of the race it was absolutely fantastic and wild and unpredictable um to say the least <laughs> yeah no I, like it was really great to see michael massey lift the trophy like it was <laughs> unbelievable he really no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and really that sorry go ahead shaker i was gonna say like you summed it all up i think that's one of the biggest complaints we had about this entire season was uh was that so yeah it was almost, in a way, a perfect ending, right? Yeah. First, first race of the season, Bahrain, we had the track limits issue, and we were complaining about the FIA. So we've come full circle. Perfect way to finish the season. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, it's true. Like, it's, it's what, what can you do, though? I, I think in the end, as, as controversial as it was, and I know we'll get into the details of things, um, you know, this is probably the best thing for Formula One in the end. Which is very controversial, I know, and it, people have split opinions of that. But it, it's to have a, a new race winner, Red Bull, uh, Red Bull's Max Verstappen coming in with his first world championship. I mean, he deserved it. Both both drivers deserved it. It, it didn't really matter who won. Both drivers did deserve the title this year. Um, but for Max to have the most race wins and to, to have the the luck go on his side at the end there. And boys, we have to remember, this is a Canadian podcast. This is all thanks to our Canadian man, Nicholas Latifi, who is, a, a, you know, I'm going to say friend of the show at this point. He's been on a couple of times. And um, who could have seen that coming at the end uh, for him and, and Schumacher to be fighting and um, the contact between them ends up. I th- it looks like Latifi had a, was, had a slow puncture coming. I, I think that's why he got loose. I could be wrong, but that's what it looked like to me. Well, it couldn't be Mazepan. He was out, or Schumacher. So, yeah, <laughs> it's one choice. No, <laughs> well, 
and we can bring up it now because I, I, Shaker, you sent it to me and brought it to my attention. Possibly the the meme or the joke of the year, and I put it on the at TBMF One Show Twitter account. Last seventy years, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I think so. (laughs) And it says, uh, you know, it's captioned as the Dutch. You remember all those tulips we sent you since World War Two? And then it says Canada. When the opportunity arrives, you'll get back your generosity there. So, (laughs) and that's what it really was, man. I mean, who would have thought? Imagine Nicholas Latifi waking up on the morning of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix thinking that, hey, I'm going to decide the championship today. I I haven't heard any interviews with him either yet. I, I, I heard he's in witness protection. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're they're trying Williams. Uh, sorry, Mercedes is up to something, and we'll find out within a few days what happens with Williams in the end. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not his fault in the no, end, it's really. Not. Like, it's, it's what it's, can you do? The track incident, and I, I mean, do we want to get into like talk about it right now, or should we wait? Well, I was going to ask you guys. I mean, where the hell do you even start on a race like this? I, I don't. Yeah, we're all over the place already. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll try and uh, maybe we'll, we'll try and be unlike the FIA and the stewards and try and keep this organized. Okay. And- yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's let's start right. from the beginning then, and we can get yeah. it all that because obviously that's the big topic we wanted to talk about, anyways. Yeah. But let's just let's build up to it. Let's uh, you know, we uh, we kind of surface it a little bit, and we'll we'll lead up to it. <laughs> Exactly. So I, I guess really where we could start off from is lap one, because I think everything after lap one, building up into the final few laps, wasn't really all that significant. So on lap one, of course, you had Max Verstappen starting on the soft tire, Lewis Hamilton on the dirty side of the grid starting on the medium tire, and he was surrounded by a bunch of other soft tire runners, Sergio Perez included. But man, Lewis Hamilton got probably the best start of the entire season. He really needed it. It's only a 220 meter run down to turn one. And he really aced the start, took the lead on lap one, and then we got our first really contentious moment of the day, which, funny enough, ended up being completely irrelevant at the end of the race. But coming down into turn six, you had Verstappen and Hamilton going at it once again. Verstappen sends a really late dive bomb down the inside. Lewis Hamilton's forced to take some evasive action. He floors it, goes off track, keeps the position. Verstappen makes the effort to keep the car within the white lines, and they set off further again. And then that's where the really the FIA and the teams back and forth began. So let's start with you, Tyler. How did you see that incident playing out, and did you agree with how the stewards handled the situation at that point? First off, I do want to give a quick shout-out to Lano Norris with a very impressive qualifying uh, in, in P3 and, and having a great starting position. Uh, it was a great quality lap from him. Uh, but yeah, no, on to the start. I mean, it was a great mix of, of Lewis having an unbelievable start and Max getting a lot of wheel spin off the line and having maybe one of the worst starts he's had uh, this season as well. And um, going to the incident, I mean, it was a very late move from Max. I think Max knew on the soft tires he had to get ahead as soon as he could uh, to try and hold Lewis back a little bit with uh, Lewis having you know, we'll have a longer life in those tires. Um, I, I, I think it was the right decision all around. Um, Lewis did a good job of avoiding an accident because an accident very well could have happened there. Um, I, I think he didn't, he could have not cut the chicane as much and, and rejoined a little bit shallower into the track, but I do understand he's trying to get some, speed going toward that DRS straight. So I, there's a catch 22 there and I, and I understand, um, Max did keep it in the white lines. And I know Martin Brundle was saying, well, that's a clean overtake in that case. Well, in my opinion, it isn't, I never drove with an F1 car. He did. So he would have a lot more expertise than me. Um, I'm just a fan. And 
in my opinion, seeing that as, you know, he didn't give Lewis a chance to make the corner, which I think to, to make an overtake, you can't just go barreling in there, um, giving, um, you know, your, your rival, no options. So, you know, I like the no penalty. I like how Lewis gave, um, you know, brought back and, and brought the gap back. Um, it was, wasn't as far as I thought they, they were going to bring him closer than, than what they did. I think that could have been adjusted a little bit if you're going to change anything, but all in all, um, I think it was a good job by the stewards just to stay out of that one. That's good, hard racing. The driver sorted out on the track and kept moving. Uh, yeah, Tyler, I think you like said exactly what I wanted to say here. Uh, I totally agree. I think the it should be like this. I think they ended up deciding for a second gap, which was uh, given to Lewis Hamilton for him to keep the lead. Uh, I, yeah, it could have been a little bit shorter, but I totally agree. I at first I kind of I kind of thought it should have gone Max's way, but you know five or ten laps in, uh, the gap was really close, and uh, you know they should have. This championship was not going to be decided on penalties, I don't think, or racing at incidents. Um, it was going to be left to pure racing, and that's exactly what they decided on lap one and carried it through. So. I think the good summary from both of you, I would agree with uh, the overall points there. I don't think that Verstappen overtook Hamilton in that situation, so I don't believe Hamilton should have been forced to give back the position. I understand Rebel's frustration in comparison to some of the turn one incidents in Saudi Arabia, because a little bit similar, right? Um, you know, they excused Lewis Hamilton for pushing Max off track in turn one in Saudi, and they eventually had to give the penalty to Max. So I understand Rebel's frustration there. The only sort of qualms I had about it was how did they determine the gap that Hamilton gained and then eventually gave back because we didn't really see the gap being given back that much. I would agree with what you said there, Tyler, that maybe he shouldn't have taken such a wider line out of that quarter just to gain that advantage. But overall, I don't think that penalty should have been given out either way or position swap because Verstappen never completed the overtake. So I don't think that he should have been forced to to get the position when clearly he didn't get past him. You know, it was sort of the same thing with the safety car uh, protest that Mercedes put in yeah. at the end of the race where it's like people were saying, well, he overtook him. Well, it's like, I mean, if that's what we're defining as an overtake as five centimeters of his front wing in front of Lewis's, then we know we've got problems here in racing. So it wasn't an overtake in both situations. So I didn't have an issue with that. So that was the first instance of the stewards and the FIA getting involved, but the rest of the race was pretty clean. I mean, Lewis Hamilton really put down the gauntlet in the first two-thirds of this race with the pace that he was showing, whether it was on the medium tire, whether it was on the hard tire. I mean, he was just so much out in front of Max Verstappen. And it was really impressive to me just how big the gap was between Hamilton and Verstappen. I think that the Mercedes was just really working well in terms of race pace. Surprised that the soft tire fell off that quickly for Max. I thought that it was going to last a little bit longer. You know, Ferrari and Alpine were saying that the soft could make it to lap 18, maybe even 21. It was some of the preferred tires actually for the other teams, but it didn't really work out for Verstappen. So I guess the next place that we could really go with this was the second driver teammates you know, being a big factor in this race. And maybe I could just uh, share the screen here with you guys because we can watch the absolute, in Max's words, legendary defense of Sergio Checo Perez. And when we had discussions about this in the beginning of the season of the impacts of the number two drivers, what can Perez bring to this team? This was really the race in which we saw Sergio Perez making a big, big impact on the race. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts, guys, on Sergio's defense against Lewis Hamilton and just how big of a role he played in this race. I, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was clean. Um, most importantly, he 
respected a lot of the driving ethics there. And I thought that he did a really good job. Yes. He, he weaved a little bit on this straight, but honestly nothing too major. Um, and he did a really good job cutting back on the inside. Lewis let his guard down there. I was really surprised. He cut back out. Um, and Perez did a great job of realizing that and cutting down the inside to get a, a nice toe and go back down and regain the position. Once again, here, although he lost the position momentarily, he got DRS and overtook Lewis right Ooh. back. And, you know, it, it's tight, uh, but, you know, that's that's really impressive racing by Sergio Perez. And um, in the end, it didn't play a factor in the race, but, you know, it could have. I mean, he held uh, Lewis up for five seconds just on that lap. Um, mega job by Sergio and, and Max will and Red Bull hopefully will be um, giving Sergio uh, you know maybe some extra props, uh, hopefully a little bonus on that and and definitely a nice contract. And I think that it was on the next lap that he held him up even. I mean, I was really surprised at how aggressive Hamilton was coming into sector one here. I mean, it was so close to just nicking a front wing. And of course, he trusts Perez because Perez is such a great, uh, clean driver. Probably not going to race him as hard as Max would. But just how close he got to almost being catastrophic at this point going into turn one. Just almost nicking a front wing on the exit of one going into two and three here. So... I thought that Perez did a fantastic job here playing the team role. Like you said, Tyler, in the end, it didn't really make much of a difference. But I think it was on this lap that he lost almost about eight seconds. And then I think we can see it in this clip here. If we fast forward just a little bit, this shot of just Max coming out of nowhere in the background really gave the Verstappen fans a lot of hope at that point after Hamilton had pulled such a big gap. No, he really did come out of nowhere. All of a sudden on the straight, Max was right behind. I was like, oh, oh he's right there. He's, he's ready to pounce. And it was a perfect opportunity for Sergio to concede the position here, give Max a toe, and then let Max go through on the next DRS straight. I think it was um, really well done by Red Bull. Um, well orchestrated and big kudos to Sergio. Yeah, I, I, I think teammate of the year award goes definitely to Sergio Perez. I think this is what we wanted to see in almost you know every race from Sergio uh, to be that teammate, that second team player, uh, you know to keep up Lewis, to keep up the the the, uh, the drivers behind him, to help Max out, to keep that lead. Because I think you know if that situation was different, if Max was up ahead and you know that fight was going on, Max would have gained that distance that he needed. But you know it it that that driving from Perez, we can just see what it's going to provide next year for Red Bull. If they want to keep that, uh, you know, that championship, but as well as get that constructors, it's going to play a key factor for sure. That's absolutely right. And it was a shame that Lewis Hamilton's teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas was so far behind in this race, you know, had a poor qualifying and in the race just really couldn't get stuck in. I think just a quick note on Bottas too, we kind of really saw the difference between Bottas and some of the other, you know, top echelon drivers like Hamilton and Verstappen when he was trying to make his way through the midfield and he was trying to overtake going into turn nine, but you saw just how timid he was. He wasn't able to make more of a dive bomb or make more of a risk. And I understand, I guess he didn't, you know, want to risk anything, but he really didn't have much to lose at that point. And his team, was out in front all alone with no help while Max Verstappen had Sergio Perez alongside. Now, we've seen Hamilton and Verstappen be so far ahead this year of pretty much the rest of the field that the number two drivers didn't really come into play as much as we would have thought. But still, like you said there, Shaker, next year Perez is going to be big who is the second year in the team, a little bit more familiar with the surroundings and how the team works. So hopefully he'll be able to have a better year. And a shame that he had to retire the car at the end. He was on for a podium, but he was, you know, the Red Bull were worried that his engine was going to fail and they didn't want to bring out another safety car or something that could get in Max's way. So that was... Uh, is that confirmed? 
I I don't know officially. It's what I've been reading on Twitter. Okay, because I read something else. I read that they apparently Red Bull purposely pulled them so they can have less cars in between Lewis and uh, between Lewis and Max. So I, I that's what I'm just making sure if that's confirmed or not. Because he did end up coming back out to finish the race, didn't he, on the last lap? No, yeah. no, he he no, went back okay. into the pits. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm not sure at that time. I think Perez was still behind Verstappen, right? I don't remember off the top of my head where he exactly he lined up. Probably just a troll on the internet then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, because I I think I believe I remember reading that, Shaker, but I also remember reading that they boxed Perez so that Alpha Tauri could get fifth in the constructors with Sonoda and Gasly finishing fourth and fifth. I think that maybe had Sonoda gotten the podium, maybe Alpha Tauri could have gotten fifth. So possibly that's a reason as well. But it's like you were saying, I don't know if that was a troll or if it was a joke or just actually being serious. So um, I'm not really sure. So that was that, and I don't know, in the midpoints of the race there, when we saw, you know, we had the first virtual safety car that came out, I believe it was because of Giovinazzi. We had, unfortunately, Kimi Raikkonen, who had to retire early, which was perfect scenario for him, but for us, it was pretty disappointing to see him have to bow out like Jensen Button. The only thing he was missing was uh, a yacht to go to, um, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the race to, to chill on his yacht. That's the only thing that was missing. He should have. Oh, he had plenty. Uh, not maybe as much as Monaco, but there was still uh, quite a few around the Yas yeah. Marina Bay there. But unfortunately, he had to retire. But it was, I believe, Giovinazzi, him slowing down, who actually first had to bring out that virtual safety car. And then that's when Red Bull boxed Max for a new set of the hard tires. But even after that got restarted again, Hamilton still had the advantage and pulled out the gap on Max Verstappen. And really, after we got past lap 30, we got past lap 40. A lot of Red Bull fans, a lot of Rax Verstappen fans were losing hope because they were looking at it going, you know, there's no way we can win this race off of pure pace. And they even brought Christian Horner on on Sky Sports, I believe, with less than 15 laps to go. And he's, you could hear in his voice just how dejected he was. And he's essentially said, we need a miracle to happen in order to have a chance to win this championship. Hamilton is just too fast today. The car is just too quick. We cannot deal with the race pace of Mercedes. The F1 gods answered Christian Horner's and the Orange Army's prayers because I can't remember exactly which lap it was. I believe it was lap 54. They cut to the scene of Nicholas Latifi's car in the final few corners just parked there with enough damage where we're thinking, holy cow, a safety car is going to be brought out here. When you guys saw that, what was going through your mind at that point? I said, why does it have to be Nicholas? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Why couldn't it be someone else? Um just because you know, I, you know, I really like Nicholas, and he's on the show, and I don't want him to get any hate from Mercedes fans or the team or anything like that. I, you know that I, just, you know, he's a really good race car driver, and uh, I don't want him to to get bashed on for something that you know I don't think was his fault. I mean, he's just racing hard, and you know, him and, and Mick made contact. Um, I I couldn't believe it though. I was. Like, come on, this is like, where is the script writing in this to, to have this happen at the end? Because Lewis had the race one. It was Lewis's eighth world championship. We were rewriting history to have an all-time leader in world championships. It was done and dusted. And just like that, the whole championship is just turned right on its head. And we were, uh, we got set for some drama uh, to follow. 
Sorry, I blanked out towards the end there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I honestly, when I first saw that, um, I was kind of surprised to see what was going to happen because. I mean, usually in a, in, a, in a safety car like that, they have to allow the cars through. But, you know, it hasn't come down. We haven't seen it in a scenario in the last few years where there's just not enough laps. Uh, maybe there was one, actually. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe it was like a rain. But, yeah, just for them to carry all the way through uh, was going to be the big one. When And it looked like it was coming down. And I thought maybe three to four laps in, they were going to, you know, they were going to red flag it and finish off the race. But nothing happened. They were, they were still talking about it and uh, nothing ever followed through and it uh, just until, the, you know, the thing happened. The thing. <laughs> <laughs> that it, thing. You make up a really good point, Shaker, because I thought they were going to red flag it and yeah. I thought that would have been the best finish that they could yeah. have done because then both drivers get a fair shot on fresh new tires um, and we, we could have had, you know, a one or two lap shootout in the end there. Um, I, I really, that's what I thought was going to happen. I was really surprised when, uh, the whole kind of, <laughs> I was confused. I should say surprised. I was confused. I didn't know what the heck was going on. That's a great point. A lot of people have brought up that red flag idea and really just resetting the race in a way that was fair to both drivers, because I think we're going to get right into it now with what we think about everything that went on with the stewards' decision, but let's also not forget that. Obviously, I, I have a lot of, or I feel for the Hamilton fans and, and Lewis Hamilton himself because he did nothing wrong. And yeah. in that situation, like you said, Tyler, I mean, the championship was his. It was wrapped up. And they both deserve the championship this year. I believe that Max Verstappen was the better driver in 2021, but Lewis Hamilton was the better driver in Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And yep. they just had a scenario where they went to the last race and both still had a chance to win the race, and Lewis was just far better on Sunday. But... When we get into what exactly happened and transpired, it's important to remember that the stewards would have never came into play had this Latifi crash never happened and the safety car never happened. So I also think that in a weird way, the F1 gods or the energy around the world just sort of balanced everything out because Lewis Hamilton, exceptional driver, very, very talented, but much like a lot of the other elite athletes in different sports, he also gets a lot of fortune and good luck to go his way. I think it's like that old saying of, you make your own luck, for example. And I think that Lewis has made his own luck in his career. And you saw his first world championship back in 2008. I mean, just a little bit of luck there with Timo Glock being on the wrong tires and the rain stopping and starting just at the right point. And he passes them at the, you know, the couple of last corners and he's world champion and he breaks Felipe Massa's heart. And here we are 12, 13 some years later, and his heart is being broken essentially on the final lap after really having the championship in his hands. So it's important to remember that even the stewards would have never came into play had that crazy safety car scenario never happened. But my initial reaction was, oh, they're going to end this under the safety car. Because I was looking at the Latifi damage, the debris, where exactly it was on the track. I'm like, okay, this is going to take way more than three, four laps to clear. And I was like, okay, it's going to end under the safety car. And then that's when things started to get really interesting. Credit to Red Bull for bringing in Max Verstappen, though, on those pit stops and putting the fresher tires. I think that's where Mercedes are going to be scratching their heads. Maybe they could have boxed Hamilton. They didn't want to give up track position, which I do understand. But that's maybe something that they'll regret looking at in hindsight. And then is when we really get into the the dirty section of of what exactly happened here. So I'm going to ask you guys first. 
where you got the message in the beginning that the lap cars were not able to overtake. You had about, I think, Fernando and Leclerc and maybe, I think, an Alpine that was behind Lewis Hamilton there. I think Norris was there, too. Norris, yeah, and I believe it was Alonso as well, and then you had Verstappen a few cars behind. So they said, lap cars are not going to overtake. Christian Horner got on the radio to Michael Massey and is complaining about it. And then we thought, okay, that's probably going to be about it. They're going to end it under the safety car. And then lap, you know, 57 or whatever it was, I think it was the second last lap, they get the graphic on the top of the screen popping up that says, lap cars may now overtake. I think it was only four of them. Only, only, yeah, the only the ones in between. That's right. Yes, thank you. Important to to bring that up that only the four lap cars that were in between Hamilton and Verstappen were allowed to overtake. So, Tyler, I don't know if you've uh, looked at some of the regulations that are in question, but I'm going to leave the floor to you about what what are your thoughts on what transpired? What would you have done differently? Let's hear it. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's so tricky, right? I mean, I understand you're you're doing what's best for F1 in that scenario. And I, so I, I let's bring in all the different perspectives. Let's bring a Mercedes perspective, a Red Bull perspective, and an FIA slash F1 marketing perspective. Um and, you know, the, the, the marketing perspective comes in, well, we have to have this finish not under a safety car. And we, we have to have them actually race toward the line if we're going to do this because, you know, what's Max going to do try to overtake all these lap cars? Um, you know, let's let's only remove the lap cars and it's going to be a shootout between those two drivers. And, you know, we're going to have a great drama and this will be a perfect ending for the Netflix series and we'll bring viewers in for next season and, um, will really grab a lot of attention toward F1. It was going to be the talking point around the world. It, and they succeeded in that sense. F1 is the biggest talking point around the world right now in sports. Uh, you know, it's it's captivated a lot of people. And, and yes, the Netflix series is going to go phenomenally after this season, especially with that ending because of, you know, all the drama that ensues with it. Um, it, it you know, it, it's the right thing to do to grow the sport. Is it the right thing to do on the track? I don't necessarily agree. Um, let's look from a Red Bull perspective now. Of course, you want to have those drivers not in between Lewis and Max. And and I would agree with what Alonzo said on the team radio, um, where he said, you know, Max should be behind Lewis. We, we shouldn't be in the middle of this. I 100% agree with that, but that they should have done that, you know, two, three laps earlier. And I understand that they didn't want the FIA didn't want to put the marshals in a hazard with cars racing around them. You know, if, if you try to implement that, you know, make them go VSC uh, um, pace around that section of track where, where Latifi had crashed and the marshals were recovering the vehicle. I think that would be the smart thing to do. Um, you know, if you go from a Mercedes perspective, well, the rule, the rule book's the rule and all cars must overtake and catch back up to the end of the queue before you restart the race and that wasn't followed and we can't have these discrepancies in the rules while we're only going to do this in this scenario uh, because then what's the point of having the FIA rule book in in that sense I mean uh, that's what frustrated me the most is that why are we betting the rules just for this one this one scenario and it like like I said it's catch 22 because it ended up being a phenomenal finish but you know you you did bend the rules a little bit just to create that dramatic, you know, appearance. Um, I, I still think a red flag would have been the ideal way to end this championship and I end this season. Um, they could start from from the grid and go right back at it with each other going to turn one. I'm sure there would have been an accident, but you know, even more drama then. You know, you get your season-ending drama in that scenario. Um, and- you'll go ahead, go ahead, Chris. 
I just wanted to quickly throw in at that port where you're talking about the regulation. It also states that they have to wait until the other lap, the next lap for the safety car to come in and then start the actual race. So it's not just that the the lap cars can go through and we can start the race right on that, that lap. We have to wait one more lap, which would have meant, of course, the race would have finished. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Even more reason why um, they should have, in my opinion, they should have kept the cars in between if they're going to start under the safety car to avoid all this. And, you know, if you were the lap cars, you know, they have a good sense on their head. You'd probably just pull right to the side and let Max go and just have at her. And that would have been the best case scenario, I think, um, if you're keeping the safety car. Um, but in the end, I do think a red flag would have been the ideal situation for everyone involved. I think it would have made everyone happy. Uh, maybe not Mercedes, but it should have, would have, would have made them a lot more happier than what actually happened. So, Anyways, I've rambled on enough. But Shaker, what's your opinion? Um, again, I, I totally agree with you, Tyler. I think in the end, it was a marketing decision, uh, not a Netflix-based decision. Sure, they're going to get a great show in the end, but in the end, Netflix doesn't decide F1. It's it's the viewership that decides F1. And we know for the last you know few years, up until that Netflix series came around and F1 got more publicity, that they started to get more viewers. And I'm sure this last race, I know a bunch of my friends who have never watched F1 in their life were tuning into this race. That, we know one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's the amount of marketing that this last race got. This is the second time in all of F1 history that it's been two racers tied going into the championship, into the last race, winner takes all. So, yeah, no, I don't agree with the bending of the rules, but I think this is a point in case scenario that we're probably never going to have again in our living history of F1. I, I don't think this scenario is going to come around again where we have, you know, there's such a big story here, you know, the seven-time world champion about to become the, uh, you know, the uh, about to have the most world championships in all of F1 to take over Michael Schumacher. Um Mercedes getting their eighth constructors championship. Red Bull, you know, if they ended up having both their drivers winning, have winning constructors for the first time in ten years, uh, nine years. Um, them having a world championship and a driver that they believed in since they were sixteen years old to to bring it home for them. So I I, I think there is I think it's the storyline which which took this uh, race and this season to a whole nother level, and I I. I I'm pretty sure, you know, um, Crofty, uh, Crofty and the commentator said, said it best. They have not commentated on a season like this in 25 years of them commentating. In their entire life of commentating and being an F1, they have never commentated on a season that's been so grand uh, with so much drama, so much action. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's never going to happen again. <laughs> so, and point in case scenario, that situation is probably never going to happen again because they have worked out now. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree that it should have been a red flag, uh, called probably in, you know, the second or third into that safety car, not one lap, two laps before the race that they're deciding, Hey, maybe we should go into a red flag scenario. Um, and I, I kind of, I felt like FIA has been like this all season point in case again, in the first lap of the race, when they said there was no investigation necessary for like two laps, and then they decided there is going to be an investigation, um, you know, everything's just going to play out. So it's, it's just, it's such a huge season is, is all I have to say. So. 
And it's so hard to know what Michael Massey's intention was of trying to restart the race. Like you said, Tyler, was it a business decision in term and not a sporting decision where we want the show, we want the final lap. And you know, people keep saying that all throughout the weekend, like, oh, you couldn't write this. If they Hollywood brought you a script like this, you'd say, Get out of here, that's ridiculous. But then you start to wonder, you know, kind of like what Lewis Hamilton said over the radio, that it was manufactured this way, because it's just so unbelievable that it's almost like, hmm, you know what, maybe they did some backdoor deals and slid a couple of, you know, Euros and dollars here or there just to get this crazy finish. But I I we I obviously prefer to see Verstappen winning the championship this year. You know, if it was a driver that I was cheering for, but at the end, it was just such an awful way that the FIA handled the ending. Because for the first time in this season, I really do believe that the Verstappen and Hamilton fans are finally coming together. You know, some or uh, together on one similar cause, which is what in the hell was the FIA and Michael Massey thinking? Because the drivers in this case did absolutely nothing wrong. We've had debates this year about, yeah. you know, understeer and off-track limits here. Verstappen's a dirty driver. Hamilton pushed him wide, blah, 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 blah. But this is the case that Verstappen and Hamilton were totally innocent in this situation. And it wasn't fair to Lewis Hamilton, who drove a great race, who was a fewer laps, a four or five laps away from his eighth world title. Yes, the safety car came out, which was bad luck for him. But still, if we went by the rule book, I think that we should have finished under the safety car. Now, if we look at that regulation, there is that clause and that sporting regulation that basically says that the race director has, in a way, authoritarian power to just kind of decide whatever he wants to do with the race. Because there is a clause in there that says he can decide whatever he wants, including what to do with the safety car. And I believe that is the argument the stewards made and the FIA made in terms of dismissing that Mercedes protest. Now, if the Court of Appeal, which I believe it's going to go to in the next couple of days on Mercedes' side, they might see that differently and say, you guys did not follow the sporting regulations because I do believe Mercedes has a pretty good case. But I'm wondering if that clause that's in there is what's going to end up saving you know, Red Bull and Verstappen's championship to just basically say, you know what, the race director has the authority and the right to just decide what he wants to do with the safety car because he was specific to say that only those four cars could overtake. So if he is allowed to do that, then okay, that's one thing and we need to have a different discussion. But either way you look at it, I just don't understand how at first they said, we're not going to let the lap, lap cars overtake. Then a lap later we say, okay, well then we're going to let the lap cars overtake, but only these four cars, not the th other three that we needed to. It was just totally confusing. I don't think that the stewards and the FIA have been anywhere near what they had to be this season for the type of championship that we had. And I know it's a very tough job. And, you know, this isn't a, a shitting on Michael Massey type party, but I do believe that he's a little bit out of his depth. And he, remember, he was a guy that took over the job because the guy that was originally in the job unfortunately passed away. But he came in on a temporary basis, but he just eventually got the job for good. But we've seen that he's struggled in that position. So I don't also think firing him helps because Martin Brundle brought up a great question post-race saying, who are you going to bring in? You know, who, who the hell wants that job now anyway? But who are you going to bring in? At least he has the experience. So he needs some help alongside him. But it's like you guys were saying, why not just bring out the red flag? It allows you to clear the track. It allows you to gain you know, your thoughts, give you some time of what you want to do. But also, why don't you just make the decision right in the beginning to say, let the lap cars overtake 
if you're, I, I agree with Massey's intention of saying this is a, a motor race, like he told Total Wolf. I want to get the race restarted because these two drivers deserve to finish the season racing and not behind a safety car. I understand that and I support that decision, but not in the way that it was carried out. I think uh, Martin Brunel made a really good point. Michael Massey needs some help and he needs a couple more guys along his side to at least help him direct up there or, or, or bounce ideas off of because yes, he has his stewards, but in the end it, it's, he's getting a lot of communication. He's constantly being barraged by everyone, you know, and, and, and I feel for him because that, that's a lot to handle um, to have 10 teams, 20 engineers berating you every single lap for some sort of, you know, little thing that that's going on. So he does need some help and I'm not sure if Charlie Whiting had help or, or not up there, I, I mean, I don't really remember to be honest. Um, but if he did, I mean, I'm not sure why that wasn't reinstated for, for Michael. And I think it'd be a good idea for him to bring in two, three guys, maybe bring in a former driver and a former um, engineer or, or team, you know, team principal to work alongside him in that FIA race director role as, you know, just consultants um, I think that would do a lot for the sport and would really take a load off his plate as well, trying to referee this, you know, these 20 drivers constantly every single lap. I mean, I'm sure he must go at the end of the race with a massive headache with the amount of crappy hears from everyone. Well, and that's the second part, too, that I wanted to bring up. I think it's this race highlighted how utterly ridiculous it is to have the teams directly communicate with the race director. I think that totally needs to be shut out for next season. And this was the first year where we really heard it because of the public team radios. But I believe that the two team principals at the end of the race, it's totally inappropriate for them to get on the race and essentially try and influence the decision of the race director. I mean, Toto just blatantly came on the radio and just say, no safety car, no safety car. In my opinion, that's just not appropriate because you have no absolute authority or you don't have any part or say in what the race director is trying to do. Like, And people were bringing this point up of like, you know, you get these football managers like Jose Mourinho's on the sideline. He doesn't have a direct intercom with the referee or the VAR guy sitting in the back saying, hey, no, no, that wasn't offside. Or, hey, no, that's not a yellow card. Like, they don't have the direct line. And these are officials. Like, these are our officials, the race directors and the stewards. So it should be completely independent. And like you said, Tyler, imagine trying to clear the track of a hazard. I mean, safety should be the number one priority. And then you've got these, you know, birds and vultures in your ear always trying to chat away saying, don't do the safety car or let the lap cars overtake. Don't let them overtake. So I think that needs to be completely brought out of Formula One for next season. Yeah. And I mean, you could you could sense the frustration in his voice when he was talking to Total Wolf at the end because it, it was nonstop. Uh, like since lap one, he probably heard it, not just from Toto and Christian. It was probably from, like you said, all the other uh, teams that were involved. So, I yeah, I, I I totally agree with you guys. You definitely need some help, and it doesn't. And it, sure, there is nobody else. But like Tyler mentioned, bring in you know, bring in uh, former race directors, uh, sorry, uh, team principals, or some of the people who are involved in F one and have been through it. You know. Um, I'm sure Kimmy would not be interested, but <laughs> uh, but you know someone like Roman Grosjean or somebody who was involved with uh, you know with the teams who who represented all who represented the drivers when he was uh, when he was there. So having somebody like that would be a huge help for sure. I, I don't know what um, who's who's the um, Ferrari race director or race principal team principal for Bonato. 
Um, Before? Oh, um, Maurizio uh, Rivabene? Arriva Bene. I mean, there's a guy with a lot of experience that would be someone, you know, he could probably bounce a lot of ideas off. He's a smart man as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure sure there's lots of, of examples that we could use, but... He's at uh, Juventus, actually. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, well, he, well, there... He, he's currently in, under investigation with some of the other members of the team, but that's a different story. <laughs> oh, okay. Sounds classic Juventus that's going on right now, so... <laughs> so, so he might be available, Tyler. <laughs> he might, he might, might be available. I don't know if you want... If he's under investigation, maybe you don't want him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you guys there. And uh, like I said, it's an impossible job, right? And we don't even see what's going on in the background. So I, I understand that it's very easy to criticize and... I do have sympathy for the difficulty of the job, but that being said, I don't think it's an excuse because this is the governing body of world motorsport. This is the highest level of motorsport in the world. We're talking about two drivers in Verstappen and Hamilton, who, especially on the Hamilton side, one of the best drivers ever. Verstappen, one of the great up-and-coming drivers at the moment, you know, potentially could be on the Hamilton level in a few years' time. They don't deserve to have officiating like this. And this is the season result of just flip-flopping decisions, not having enough authority over their own officiating. And I'm the biggest fan of letting them race, and I want hard racing, and I don't want penalties. But at the end of the day, I don't want the rules just to be made up on the fly. And I think for next season, again, I'm going to reference what Brundle said because I agree with it 100%. Sit them down in a room. You can broadcast it to the fans You don't if you don't have to. Sit the whole teams down with all the drivers. Show them all the examples of the incidents of what happened in 2021, because there's definitely plenty of them now, and show them that this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. We're going to change some things on the circuits. We're going to put gravel here. We're going to put grass there. So if you guys want to force another driver off track, it's going to be a clear penalty. Or if you want to go off track, well, you're going to potentially spin or end up in the barrier. So they really need to assess the rule book here change some of the language. I mean, it's like 100 pages long anyway. So change it a little bit, simplify it, make it easy to understand, make it clear to the teams and the drivers. And as soon as the drivers know exactly what they can and can't do, then we can go forward. It's like fighting. I bring this up because there was obviously a big UFC card on Saturday night. The rules in the MMA are now very clear and defined in terms of eye pokes, in terms of different things like that. And it's very clear. You violate that rules, you get a warning, or you get a point deduction. So in F1, it needs to be the same thing. Okay, you push the driver off track there. First thing we're going to do, black and white flag. That was risky. That was on the limit. Don't do it again. The next time you do it, you get a penalty. So we just want the clarity and we want the consistency for 2022. I think you make a really good point with all these runoffs now too. I mean, we, we probably need a little more gravel or grass in there to, to use that. I mean, I think... If there's gravel on the outside there, I, I don't know if Max makes that lunge into turn one or sorry, into turn nine or whatever it was on lap one, um, you know, because he, if he overcooks it, he's going in the gravel as well. So, uh, you know, maybe he doesn't make that big little lunge. He still makes a lunge, but, you know, he, he knows Lewis can go wide in that scenario. So I, mean, I know it's tough with street circuits and he can only do it every once in a while or whatever, but uh, it's something to, 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 um, to, to keep in mind in the future um, of what we can do to improve the, you know, these inconsistent calls or, or, you know, consistencies from track to track, you know, it varies clearly from track to track on, on what is going on. So, I mean, who knows what the future holds for us, but um, you know, I, all, all I'm going to say is I'm glad we got to see two world-class drivers fight it out. 
in the end, uh, both well-deserving of the championship. You know, I feel for Lewis. I wanted to see him get eight. Um, but at the same time, I'm equally as happy seeing Max get his first, uh, you know, world championship. It, it was awesome to see. And it's awesome to have a new world champion, obviously. And, uh, he, he deserves it just as much as Lewis did. So I thought it was a phenomenal season and it, it adds more drama towards next season as well. You know, what's going to happen with the 2022 cars, you know, who knows we could have Ferrari in it. Carlos Sainz could be, you know, is up there as, as possibly being, a world championship, a world champion, in my opinion, if Ferrari can have a car for 2022, Chris, because I mean, he, he was absolutely phenomenal this season. Um, you know, outbeating Leclerc, his teammate this season, uh, getting a podium at Abu Dhabi to finish things off. I mean, what a season Carlos Sainz had, uh, you know, smooth operator all the way to the end. Um, and he, he really has a shot, uh, you know, as being one of the underdogs in the sport. Oh, great point. I think science is uh, the sleeping lion for 2022 if that Ferrari car can be as good as the Mercedes and Red Bull. And yeah, finished P5 in the Drivers' Championship as well. But yeah, like you said, ahead of Leclerc in your first season is mighty, mighty impressive. So there's a driver that unfortunately, again, the podium doesn't get the shine because of, of course, the drama and the championship celebrations, understandably so. But I think we'll be talking a lot more about Carlos Sainz in the lead-up to the 2022 season because he's an underrated driver and potential world champion on the horizon too. So just before we wrap up and we get on to the final lap, because we do need to talk about the final lap, possibly one of the greatest final laps in F1 history, what do you think the fallout is going to be? Because as we stand here, we are recording on a Monday evening. Mercedes have intended to appeal that uh, denial of their protest of, of course, the uh, sort of race regulations and sporting regulations debacle that was happening there. And some I was reading that this could go to essentially what is the superior court for motorsport. But I believe that they have to have a decision by Thursday because the FIA gala is on Thursday in which they actually crown the world champion, which as a side note, I still cannot understand how a premier sport like Formula One doesn't award the damn championship trophy when the damn world championship is actually decided. Nobody watches the FIA gala. It's never broadcasted. Nobody cares about it. Kimmy got plastered at it one year just because it's so boring. (laughs) I mean, why not give it to them there? It's basically would be like saying you won the Stanley Cup and we're going to give you the Stanley Cup three weeks later when we go to the award show in Vegas. It is the dumbest thing in the world. No, you're 100% right. Because I was watching with my girlfriend and I, she was getting ready to take a photo of Max. I said, oh, wait, no, that's the Abu Dhabi trophy. Like, like <laughs> wait, they're going to they're gonna bring out the World Championship trophy. Like, just wait for that. She goes, oh, no, that's great. Like, that's the one I wanted. And then like, they never brought it out. I was like, I, 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 it's going to happen soon. I was just waiting for it to happen. And they never brought out the trophy. I was like, what is going on? It, it, it makes zero sense. You're right. You know what the worst part about it was? It was there in the press conference. It was there before the race. They got the shots of Hamilton and Verstappen standing beside it. And then they're like, all right, boys, pack it up. Send it to wherever the fuck the gal is going to be at. (laughs) Like, no, honestly, like sometimes you just scratch your head as an F1 fan. So like, like, even if you win, you're still not crowned world champion technically. No, no. (laughs) You're crowned world champion in a tuxedo. And people don't even get to watch? No. That, that's stupid. <laughs> no wonder yeah. Formula One got so much shit and lost viewers. <laughs> Seriously. Well, yeah, you're not, yeah. Yeah. 
like I could rant about this all day. I said this when Lewis won the last couple of years too. I said it always then. It's like we know when Hamilton's going to clinch it. So bring the trophy to the damn race where he clinches it, where it's like, oh, no, here's this, like, plastic Heineken trophy. Congratulations, Lewis, seven-time world champion, greatest driver ever. Here's your plastic trophy. And, like, the world championship trophy, it's nice. But it's, it's I mean, he beautiful. doesn't get to take that home. I don't even think he ever gets to touch it just at the award show. So it's just this weird thing. It's the only sport that they do this. Like, in tennis, you win Wimbledon, you get the trophy right there, okay? I understand you can't take it home, but NBA, you get the trophy, you know, gold medal, you get it put around your neck. Uh, this is just, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, they had the, the gold confetti. So, I mean, I guess Max could wear a gold confetti if he wants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but that's the only thing he had. I, I was I was very surprised. I thought they were going to bring the trophy out. And I, maybe I just never noticed it because I didn't pay attention to, to Lewis, you know, getting ready to hold the title. Like, uh, maybe I was just paying more attention to it this time. It's the first time I noticed. I mean, come on. I mean, that's an easy one to change. Like, frig. I mean, they got custom sweatshirts that say that said world champion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, honestly, you know what I always think about? I always think about the other team that lost, you know? So there's probably hundreds and hundreds of Lewis Hamilton world champion printed shirts or T-shirts and hats just sitting in a fucking warehouse yep. that are just going to be thrown out or burned. <laughs> Or yeah, sent I, I, to somebody. Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff. I know what the NHL does is they send all that memorabilia to uh, underprivileged countries that need clothes and stuff like that. Funny um, story so. about that. Okay, so one time I went back to India, right? And there was I was walking in the middle of the road. It was like you know, like nine o'clock at night. I was going to have some street food. And I saw some guy wearing like a 2007 Ottawa like skills competition T-shirt. And like I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> how did you get that shirt? And then then my cousin explained to explained to me. It's like, yeah, you know, people like uh, you know donate clothes here all the time that obviously people don't wear there. I'm like, makes perfect sense though. <laughs> but like, just the chances of me running into that <laughs> yeah. shirt being a local Ottawa person, just like what the hell. <laughs> Maybe next time you go there, you'll see a Lewis eight-time world champion yeah. shirt. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because they definitely had it ready, obviously. Because, yeah. you know, Max, all of his team put it on right away. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Th- I mean, that whole trophy thing, it made me so mad. I don't even remember what my original point was before I went off into that <laughs> rant. I have no idea what I was going to talk about before that. Um, oh, yes. Sorry. I remember now. Apologies, folks. It was the repercussions of the whole situation there. Because, like I said, I feel really bad for both drivers because Verstappen deserves this championship. And I think that regardless of the stewarding decision, he went out and won that thing on the final lap, which we're going to yeah. get to next. But I also feel really bad for Hamilton because he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't put a foot wrong all the race. And he was only a couple of kilometers away from winning his eighth world title. But realistically, I mean, what do you do in this situation? what we saw in the protest on Sunday, but even if you go to a court appeal, I mean, in a way, I almost want to say it doesn't even seem right that they would reverse the decision, right? Because what are you going to do? Right? You can't. You can't go back on a decision you, like, messed up three times before you can. Yeah. Like, and the fact that no, I, I just they can't go back on it. They can't go back on that decision. They lost it on Toto. Like, I mean, what are you going to go tell Max? Like, hey, Max, we're really sorry. You're actually not the world champion. I yeah. know you got drunk for two weeks straight. Like, 
but now go like drink yourself to depression. Like this, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they can do that. I like that's something like is, is the people are reaching for. It's not going to happen. You, like, you want to see the Netherlands riot? Do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Good luck. I don't think you, you might get them to protest the Dutch Grand Prix if that happens. Yeah. On, on, I don't blame them if they did. Like you can't reverse decision at this point. I agree with you, Shaker, hundred percent. And I, I also think an argument Red Bull could make is that how are you going to decide the race on countback, right? Because yeah. th- the race never finished under that safety car period. So you'd have to go back to lap 57 to where we were still under a safety car period. So you still have a one more lap to complete. So mm-hmm. how are the, how are they going to go back on their decision and say, okay, we're going to cut the race off at lap 57? I think that would be an argument that Red Bull could make to say, well, wait a minute. How, you can't reverse this decision because yeah. we've already finished the race. And if they yeah. can do that, what stopped them from adding three more laps to the end of the safety car to let them race more? You know, like if they can good cut point. a lap, why can't they add three laps? So, yeah, that's a good point. I, I just see it's really a lose lose situation. And yeah. like I said, I think it would be heartbreaking for, for Max Verstappen for sure if, if it were to come to that. I don't know if Lewis Hamilton wants to win this way. I believe Total Wolf and Mercedes don't care and they'll win any way they want because they were ready to go on Sunday with the you know the lawyer that they had. I don't know if they brought the lawyer personally. That was what I was reading, that they had, uh, it's called a barrister in, in UK terms, which is another word for a really fancy lawyer, that they already brought him to the race. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be decided within the next couple of days, though, with that FIA prize gala on the horizon. But I would see it very, very difficult to reverse that decision like you guys said because you know you're gonna do the confetti all over again the trophy the presentations i mean in the lawyer's office in the the lawyer's office yeah but it's just it's such a clusterfuck from the fia that they almost just have to essentially brush it under the rug and just everybody move on yeah yeah uh, go ahead shaker I was going to say, I'm kind of like, yeah, it was Lewis Hamilton's race to win, but I'm kind of happy that Lewis Hamilton didn't win his eighth world champion in a safety car. I, I, I genuinely point. feel like Lewis Hamilton is going to, if and when he does win that eighth world championship, um, he's going to win it on his own terms, racing in the end. So Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think he wants to win it from a court either. Like yeah. if I were to win my eighth, like that, like that's... It's not how I would want to win a world championship. Like, yeah, you hundred percent probably deserve to win, but at the same time, I mean, it, it's racing. Like stuff like this is going to happen. It, you know, you got to be good to be lucky, and lucky to be good. Uh, you know, that's the classic saying. And in this case, Max was you know he finally got the luck to go his way. It's it's, it's yeah, I was racing in the end. Yeah, um, I mean, there's luck and then there's racing, right? And we've said it about Lewis Hamilton. He's got both, and that what makes him a world champion. Max got the luck, and he had the racing in that last lap, lap to win the to win the world championship. So it it, I, as much as I didn't want to see it go down to one lap, I'm kind of glad it did because it made a really interesting, you know, race and uh, lap in the end. So. Yeah, my final thoughts on it is, and, you know, Hamilton was, of course, a great sportsman afterwards, too, coming out to, you know, give Verstappen a hug and congratulate him, which must have been just such a tough moment at that point. Just really, I guess, utter confusion and devastation at just what just happened. But 
as all great athletes do, and we see this even in the fight game too, heated rivalries. But when it's finished, when you know the gloves are off or the cars are parked, then we can kind of embrace just a little bit. And you know, maybe they still don't like each other. They're probably not going to be hanging out in the off season, but the respect is there, which is really, really great to see. So I, I enjoyed seeing that. But I think that on Hamilton's part, and Max, I think brought this up in an interview. A few days might go by if this appeal doesn't go through, and as the weeks go by. He'll kind of chalk that up to like what Shaker was saying, which is like, you know what, that's that's racing. That's just how it goes. And he's had a full career's worth of luck go his way and success as well. He's got seven world titles. I think it's a little easier for him to take this than if it would have happened to Max, who doesn't have any world championships before that point. And I would just kind of compare it almost to, you know, a, a tennis reference to Wimbledon 2019. It was Federer and Djokovic going at it in a five set thriller. And, you know, Federer, of course, at that time, I believe he was 38 or 37, something like that, versus Djokovic, a little bit younger, still in his prime. And Federer was leading, and he had two match points to grab his 21st major. It would have been historic, the best win of his career. It was going to be amazing. Two match points got erased, and he ended up going to on to lose the final. And he kind of had the same thoughts afterward, which is like, you know what? This is devastating. This is absolutely heartbreaking. But I've got to look at the big picture of my career and say, you know what? There were days when things went my way. And that enabled me to be as successful as I am. So that's just sport. So yeah. I think that's where Hamilton's going to look at it at the end of the day. Yeah, and not. I'm sorry. I just want to say, not just to respect to Hamilton, the entire Hamilton uh, crew, especially his dad as well, to go up to the uh, to the Verstappen family and congratulate him afterwards. And you know, it's nice to see the embrace between fathers as well, because you know they were there in every single race. You know, they went go karting with their kids and see them win, and you know, to see the competition win as well is always a good thing to see. Yeah, I was about to mention that, Shaker. That that's my uh, favorite part of the post-race yeah. scenario was um, was Hamilton's dad going up to to Verstappen's dad and, and having that embrace. Yeah. Um, I thought that showed a lot of respect from from the father figures, and um, you know, in the end, you know, we always look up to to our fathers or our parents, I should say. But you know, in this case, the you know the fathers who are um, embracing. And I know we have it here. Chris, just the the moment that they embraced. Yeah, and that's a great point too. It's I think what everybody can relate to, and of course, you know, I think we all tried athletic careers at one point, and we all miserably failed. That's why we're talking here <laughs> on a podcast and not uh, you know driving ourselves or being out on the field. But we all had it was mostly like you know for us being as 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 men, our fathers being the influence on our sporting events and supporting us and driving us to the practices and being there as well so we can understand the sense of that where it's like you know we never accomplished anything near what Verstappen or Hamilton accomplished but you understand that connection there so seeing Anthony Hamilton and Jos Verstappen come together there it's a big day for for them right because they're as much of a part as their son's success as their sons themselves so you know, it's a great story between Yoss and Max. Of course, Yoss had a, a decent Formula One career himself, but he never achieved the levels that he wanted to. And he really set out the goal to make uh, Max a world champion, and he really accomplished it as well. So, yeah, this was a very, very cool moment. I agree with you guys. I'm sure yeah. uh, Max was living up the dream of meeting my, Michael Schumacher as a, as a kid and finally becoming a world champion today. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Michael. he said, too, like, you know, he always, I think it was his post game. Or post race interview where he said, you know, he always dreamed of being an F one driver, but he, he, he still like it's to be an F one world champion is is crazy or something like that along those lines. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, let us know in the comments what you guys thought of the whole safety car debacle and the FIA decision. What would you have done differently and what would you like to see changed for the future? So, you know, we just wanted to wrap up uh, that little discussion there. But we do have to move on to, of course, the what actually happened on the track afterwards, which was the unbelievable lap 58 that we got between Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, think about that. 1,200 or so laps covered across the season, 22 races, thousands of kilometers driven, and it came down to one final lap, three point whatever kilometers, or excuse me, I think it was 5.2 kilometers, and then to decide the championship. And really, I remember as soon as they got the lap cars through and you saw Max and Lewis behind or right next to each other, you know, I think everybody got on the edge of their seats and you're like, holy shit, here we go. My dog was sitting on my lap and I literally stood up and I'm like, oh my God. And she lost her shit because I was screaming. So <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> oh, it was, man. I mean, it was just such an insane scenario. And we're going to maybe just talk through it here. This is the, uh, of course, we've got the the top here of the on-track action and the, the Red Bull pit wall or the Red Bull garage actually reacting to it. And just a side Hold note, on. I thought, yeah. I was going to say, did anybody else think Max was going to win as soon as it came down to this? 100% I thought with the tires like, there was no <laughs> doubt in my mind that Max wasn't winning on this last lap <laughs> uh, I will say uh, I was surprised Lewis took off as early as he did I thought he was going to yeah. take off um, just exiting the final turn but I mean it, uh, Max did so I didn't think he was going to set it up this early and I think Ooh, he caught Lewis no, off surprise so as well either. yes I didn't but, think like, it would happen here either Tyler I, I thought he missed it I literally I thought he missed it it was an unbelievable move. I mean, we do have to give Max credit here. This is an unbelievable racer's move to go up the inside, keep it on track, a very clean, fair move, coming down everything we've had. This yeah. is a clean racing move up the inside, beats Lewis, and you know it was you know, an overtake that we'll see forever. Yeah, and, and t- we also have to remember that there was no DRS zone or anything active, and it was just pure, you know, racing line that he followed yeah. there to get behind Lewis and just overtake him. Nothing tech-related whatsoever. Yeah, it was – I just wanted to uh, show – I don't know. Can you guys see this? The uh, Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, this video here, the track angle? Yep. Okay. Yeah, okay, this yeah, is I, cool. I really wanted to show this because I found it just browsing YouTube last night at like three o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is the fan angle or the track angle of the overtake going into turn six. And man, you just get the, such a sense of the speed. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, this was insane. I watched this video too. I mean, craziness. Wow. Yeah, just really tucked up in that slipstream. And this is the definition of full send. Oh, like and to, to have that angle and perspective um, is is pretty cool. I mean, I wish I was in those seats. You, you bought the best seats in the house and you didn't even know it at that point, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, to see an overtake like that right in front of your eyes for a world championship is, is pretty phenomenal. No, it absolutely is. And maybe we can just go through that overtake a little bit more because I, I was saying this too post-race that, you know, lost in the shuffle and everything and the controversy, just setting that aside for a minute, Verstappen still had to go out and win this race and make those moves to get the championship. I know he was on fresher tires, but still trying to overtake Lewis Hamilton is probably one of the hardest things that you can do. And 
I didn't look at Hamilton's onboard, but I think that you guys are spot on that Hamilton did not expect this because I think that whether Max was consciously thinking, I'm going to make the move here, I think that he absolutely surprised Hamilton because he didn't want to allow Hamilton an opportunity to strategically position his car to block the overtake or potentially, you know, have them making contact to where the stewards are going to get involved again. And you just kind of see the move. I wanted to just bring this up here as you get past here turn five and you see the way he kind of just tucks behind Lewis there I think at that point Lewis is thinking okay you know I'm good for this corner I'm going to get ready for turn six and then Max just right at the last second as he gets onto the brakes is just sending it down the inside and I just thought it was I mean easily move of his career really 100% and Lewis is on board I mean he counters here because he's like oh geez he like he didn't fully did not expect Max to be there um so just a, a beautiful beautiful surprise move by max and he did a really good job defending here as well because lewis did have slipstream and it was coming down hard on him um not necessarily on this drs straight or this straight because there's no drs available but on the next straight as well just tucked it right on the inside and made lewis go on the outside this is where the verstappen fans almost had a few mini strokes because the run that hamilton got here in the slipstream was insane but look at how close they get to touching all right it was Perfect defensive Ooh. driving for Max. I mean, I think we can even just pause it here a little bit when you go just to see how close it was. And great from both of them, really. I mean, after all the, the comings together this year, they kept it clean. But look at that. I mean, what is that? Maybe a centimeter or two? <laughs> oh, Insane. Yeah. I think the one comment that I will make, though, is once Hamilton has some time to process the results, and I'm curious what do you guys think about this, but do you think that he'll regret not being aggressive enough on this final lap? Because I think that he could have possibly tried to send one here into turn nine and even turn six before. But I mean, should have he maybe tried to be a little bit I don't more think aggressive? He the tires for it. I just yeah, he did. True. I just don't know where you go on the, wait, if you pause yeah. it there, Chris. Oh sorry, can you go like two seconds before that? Like when when you got on Lewis's onboard here, I don't know where on the inside you go there. I mean, yeah. you have to go down the inside in that corner, and he has no room. He's forced to go to the outside. Yeah, it's Max just positioned his car beautifully, and then once Lewis decides he's going to the outside alongside him, Max then eases his car to try and get a run on the outside as well to to have a little bit of an angle toward the apex of the corner. I mean, it it was beautifully beautifully defended by Max. Yeah, and, and that deserves credit too, not just the attacking there into turn uh, five to get the overtake, but the defending as well was really smart. And some interesting insights I was reading this morning that Max was talking about that on this final lap, probably because of the adrenaline and the nerves and the fatigue, he was having massive cramps, I believe, I think in his in his left leg, in, in the braking leg. Yeah, and he, he was said, saying... He said after the race, he's still cramping. <laughs> yeah. And he was saying it was just so bad that he was like, you know, gritting and biting his teeth to try and get through it. And then finally, once he got the move, or once he realized that Lewis wasn't going to get by him after here in turn nine, he said he was able to sort of break a little bit earlier, lift off a little bit earlier, just to kind of try and relieve the cramp a little bit. But I just love seeing the team reaction here, just how, you know, how on edge that they are. And there's the Christian Horner video as well. But even here, I, I remember I was watching the race with my dad. And after he got, you know, here into the hotel section, my dad was like, oh, you know, it, it's done, finished, Max has got this. And I was like, no, 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 we got to wait. <laughs> we got to wait a few more quarters because he said the same thing when Federer was serving for the Wimbledon final in 2019. <laughs> and we know how that ended up. I was like, you got to wait, man. It's not over until it's over because, you know, Lewis could still do anything that's possible and you never know what happens. But uh, eventually he came good.
Oh, it's, look at look at the look at the team. I haven't seen the team yet. That's uh, that's awesome. I think I think uh, Crofty said Verstappen would need a Michael Schumacher a slap in this in this one to uh, to make it count. I would consider that Michael Schumacher. <laughs> I think he'd be pretty proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you got uh, Christian Horner there. Um, and, and I think we do have to play this. Of course, it is the, the team radio yeah. as Max Verstappen crosses the line, which, again, you know, whether you're a Verstappen or, or a Hamilton fan, what's really cool about this victory is that it's a first-time world champion. We haven't seen this since Nico Rosberg in 2016. And, you know, the last couple of years, because Hamilton has been so dominant, we tend to forget just how special and how significant a world championship victory is just because Hamilton has got seven of them. He's done it so much. But to see the reaction of a first-time winner... Have a close listen to have a close listen to the first voice on the team radio and we're gonna see if you guys, the viewers out there, can guess who this is. his dad <laughs> <laughs> nope guess again i know who it is so i can't guess yeah is that christian horner he just sounds like super messed up christian horner is the the next yeah, voice coming this, up which yeah we'll the save. next voice coming up i have no idea is it alex yes no? yes it is <laughs> it okay. is it is Alex Albon. First time I heard it, I thought it was Giampiero Lambiasi, his uh, race engineer. I'm like, damn, I've never heard GP so animated. He's always so cool, like assassin-like, very quiet. But I mean, this is Alex Albon, first one on the radio to congratulate Max. Oh my lord, Max! Oh my lord! <laughs> <laughs> and it Tyler, is legendary. Yeah. You and I were discussing this off-air. It's like, I guess he just hijacked the radio, but the first one of all was the guy dropped last season, the reserve driver. It's hilarious. No, I, I, like, I loved it. I thought it was unbelievable. Like, I didn't know who it was to start, and then when I realized it was Alex, I was like, oh, my God, like, what a... Um... I, was, I was happy to see him there with the Red Bull celebration. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too, me too. But, yeah, what a team radio. I mean, he, he couldn't... It, they write that script better of how you, you interact with the team right after a world championship like that. I thought it was un unbelievable. And and this next part, which is very similar to how Seb Vettel, you know, got the radio message a few years or, you know, almost a decade ago now, but you know, whether, wherever you sit on the fan side of things, or especially if you're a neutral fan, it's hard not to get, you know, chills when you hear Christian Horner. It sounds like, all the adrenaline, all the emotions. He just took one deep breath and just laid it all out in this next radio message here. Oh, sorry, I don't want to. Whoops, sorry, I skipped it there. Max Verstappen, you are the world champion. The world champion. Like that's coming from directly in his bones. <laughs> Mate, you absolutely deserve it. You absolutely deserve it. You've had no luck. Not the rub of the great. Recharge on, please. Recharge on. There's GP. <laughs> There's JP. <laughs> Can you stop crying? That's so funny. Recharge on, please. Recharge on. Max, we are so proud of you. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh my god, guys. I love you so much. You are <laughs> 
like a champion all year. You deserve that. We needed a bit of luck. You got it. You made it happen. <laughs> no kidding. And we love you. We absolutely fucking love you. <laughs> <laughs> it is unbelievable, guys. <laughs> Can we do this for another 10, 50 years together? <laughs> right, honestly. I think GP was crying, actually. That's why we didn't really hear much of him. That So that last radio message really piqued my interest when I first heard it. Can we do this for another 10, 15 years, honestly? Mm. You know, we, we heard rumors last year about the whole contract with, with if Red Bull doesn't get a win, Max has an ability to go to Mercedes. It's not happening now. It's not <laughs> happening now. I can guarantee you that. It's not happening now. But it is interesting how... He is now absolutely committed to this Red Bull team, and I can see him not leaving for his whole career. I mean, who knows what happens down the line in 10 years? I mean, maybe Red Bull's not even a team in 10 years. We have no idea what's going on. Um, but it, it is pretty cool to see him um, kind of relay that, that radio message as well, just you know, how in tune he is with the Red Bull team. And, I mean, why would you not be? It's uh, he's. <laughs> They, they form your team around your driver and he he supported he's you know he's he's shown what he could do with for the team so why would you not want to be there um you know red bull supporting him since he was 16 years old <laughs> probably younger than that actually when he started so yeah no it, it's crazy and i almost you know 10 to 15 years i thought max would probably retire before then but that might be a scary <laughs> thought for some of his rivals if he's planning on doing that but i i really see it difficult now uh him leaving red bull so he's Excuse me, he's pretty tied up with that team. So very, very cool. Credit to Alex Albon, too. Much respect to mm -hmm. him for just being such an amazing team player. And he deserves credit, too, for the work he did behind the scenes as the reserve driver. He played a, a pretty crucial role as well in this championship. So, oh, I, Chris, I, put, I just put two and two together. Alex Albon going to Williams next year. <gasps> we saw... <laughs> oh, I'm... I'm I'm just I'm gonna put it out in the universe. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we we saw the Williams crash. No, no. No, rumor has it that the reason why Latifi crashed is because he wanted to put it to Total Wolf that he put the wrong Williams driver at Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> so he taught him a lesson there in the end. That's what you get Toto. Yeah. yeah, put me in the car. Yeah, so that was a, a really cool team radio moment. One one that will go down. Uh, legendary. I just wanted to quickly show this. Um, hopefully, uh, we won't get uh, any copyright tags in here. But this was actually from a watch party in Mumbai, India. Again, oh. this was just being recommended to me. And it's just really cool just to see how many people, you know, love and watch Formula One around the world. Everybody just going crazy watching the final lap as well. I guess there's a lot of uh, Verstappen fans in, in India as well. So they were really happy with the result. I'll just skip ahead here to the end when he crosses the line. Seems like a pretty sweet watch party, though. Seems great. A great party over there. I don't know what time it would have been in Mumbai at that time. I think probably later in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been probably overnight at some point. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's, that's just awesome to see. It's uh, nice to see F1... Uh, being so popular there. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to show. Oh, yeah, it was this one. This was, uh, I'm assuming, again, F1 portrayed by Top Gear, one of the best Twitter accounts <laughs> on there, and they brought an absolute brilliant one. I'm, I'm sure this was uh, Verstappen fans and, and just really the all of Netherlands heading into work this morning. 
I'm sure they would have been a little bit happier than James May, but <laughs> you get the point. Uh, which one? I had another funny one here. This one I just came across too. Uh, I don't know oh, what this so is from. Funny. I have but, no uh, idea. Apparently, this is a <laughs> drunk Max trying to get into his apartment. But I just captioned it. I'm like, this is going to be Max heading into the tire test on Tuesday after a couple <laughs> days of partying. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even open the door. Can't even get the door open. Been there. <laughs> yeah, he's almost got it. But apparently, yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. it was like a surprise party. I think because like his his whole family was there when he went in. He's just so like that was his birthday. And he's like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh man. My question to the Dutch fans is because we were kind of talking about it, and obviously we're not we're not from the Netherlands, so we, we don't know this. Um, is Max Verstappen now the most famous athlete in all of Netherlands, the most well known athlete and most famous oh. coming from the Netherlands? I, I, mean, I would say, in my opinion, he has to be. Like, we were trying to think of soccer names. I, I don't. Know. Well, yeah. in, ter- in terms of most well known right now, it one hundred percent has to be Max Verstappen. I think he's more of a global superstar than we think and especially now i mean he's going to be an even more bigger global superstar with the first world championship but maybe the more important question to ask and the dutchies can help us out with this one is he the greatest dutch athlete of all time you have to think i'm like there's you know i i'm sure the dutch would know a lot more athletes than than we do but like the first ones that come to mind is is robin van persie Johan Cruyff, Johan Roy Hollett, Arian Robin. Um, yeah, Hollett, I think would be to me the, maybe the most successful, most popular. But I, I I'm not Dutch. I, I don't know. I mean, in yeah. my opinion, look on the outside, Max has to be the number one, maybe Dutch Dutch celebrity ever. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. We're not too sure. So if you guys want to post in the comments and, you know, if there's other people that we're not aware about, um, yeah, I mean, it would be, I'd be very interested to know. Cause I mean, like for Canada, it's Wayne Gretzky. Like it's a very obvious choice. (laughs) We know. So like, do, do the Dutch Netherlands know? Well, a few other names maybe I could throw in there. I mean, in terms of greatest of all time, I mean, we're all football fans, so we know Johan Cruyff is a legend. Yeah. I mean, I was using that Cruyff fake before I ever even knew it was from <laughs> Johan Cruyff. So, you know, I heard all the stories from my dad about what a legendary player he was. But, you know, some other names I'd probably throw out there in terms of the fight game that I know of, they Netherlands is very well known for its kickboxing. So you got somebody like Ramon Deckers. You could throw Alistair Overeem in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rico Verhoeven right now, who's one of the top kickboxers in the world. And I believe he is actually friends with Max Verstappen too. So you could go there as well. I mean, those are all exceptional, legendary fighters in their own right and athletes as well. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting question. So if you are from the Netherlands, please let us know who would be your greatest Dutch athlete of all time. But certainly currently at the moment, I don't think anybody's captivated the sporting world like Max Verstappen has. And, you know, we see some other Dutch soccer players, for example, you know, you mentioned Robin Van Persie, like Edwin van der Sar, for example, as well, was very successful in his day, Ruud van Nistelrooy. But I don't really think any one single athlete has really put his nation on the map like Max Verstappen has. I mean, the support from the Orange Army, just think back to what we saw at Zandvoort this year. I I don't really remember seeing that for any one athlete before. So what he's been able to do is insane. And now that he's a world champion and 
as long as he has the car, probably a few more left before he <laughs> retires. Whoa, sky's the limit. I th- yeah, I genuinely think Johan Cruyff is like the only comparison because he, I mean, in terms of footballing, you know, the Cruyff turn, all the stuff that he does, he's done for the footballing world. I think is, I think the only comparison I could think of in terms of a Dutch athlete. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at the traveling fans. Like you're saying, the Dutch Grand Prix, but like they travel everywhere for him. I mean, look how many Dutch fans are in Abu Dhabi. I mean, you've yeah. seen it everywhere um, throughout this season. The the Orange Army. Coming out in droves to support Max. It's unbelievable the support he has, and um, I mean, definitely from the outside, in my opinion, for looking at it as a, as a in just fan, he is the most popular, you know, not only athlete but a possibly person ever in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So we'll leave the comment section open for you guys out there, even if you're not from the Netherlands and you're not Dutch. Let us know, is Max Verstappen, first of all, the most well-known Dutch athlete in the world at the moment? And then second of all, is he the greatest athlete of all time? Because remember, F1 drivers are athletes, so we can include him in this conversation. So yeah, the Dutch have a lot of rich sporting history themselves, so it should be interesting what you guys think. And also, you know, Ari Leyendijk, for example, is uh, another great Dutch driver in the past. There's been some other Dutch drivers as well. Uh, you know, that have come up, Keto Vandergaard, for example, Christian Albers, but certainly not at the level of a Verstappen or a Leyendijk. So, uh, yeah, it's a great era for the Orange Army and the Dutch fans. Congratulations to you guys as well. I know the support that you've shown your driver over the years has been extremely special to watch and also to our channel as well. I mean, ever since that we've started, back when we had less than 100 subscribers, it was really the Netherlands who found our videos first and eventually put our channel on the map and, and gained us a quite a significant amount of viewership so we've always had a pretty special connection with uh, the duchies out there and holland as well so we really appreciate you guys for being with us all these years and we kind of got to enjoy the celebrations a little bit with you certainly not as much because we are not dutch we are canadian so uh but you owe us one for that latifi thing so just <laughs> yeah. keep that in mind <laughs> keep that in mind when it comes back around and strong latifi are fighting for a world championship we need max to just to to just put out a safety car for us to, to let us win a world championship I'm going to appreciate the tulips a lot more this year. <laughs> uh, you know what? Only Dutch and Canadians will get that joke. So it, we... <laughs> Perfect. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. What a, what a season. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. going to wrap it up. I think we're close to almost over an hour and a half just speaking on this championship decider, which I'm not surprised about. We could keep going probably for another good couple of hours, but we're going to save it because we are going to do a separate podcast just recapping yeah. the 2021 season. But I think we've really encapsulated this dramatic and crazy, emotional, but also exciting season finale that we're going to be talking about for many days to come, but also many years to come. But we're very thankful that we have this channel during this season that we get to talk about this and that we also get to have viewers like you guys out there listening to us or watching us on YouTube and giving us your feedback as well. So Tyler and Shaker, I'll leave the final word to you guys before we sign off tonight. Man, what, what an F1 season. I mean, uh, we had it all. I can't wait for next season. You know, we, this has been uh, the wildest F1 season that I've watched uh, that I can remember. Um, and, you know, I'm so glad to, to be on the podcast with you guys. It's been an unbelievable ride, lots of awesome conversations and uh, awesome support from all of our fans as well. So I yeah, really appreciate everyone uh, subscribing to us and watching our videos and listening to our podcast. We really uh, appreciate the support and 
can't wait to have hopefully many more crazy seasons to come uh, on this podcast and in F1 in general. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. First of all, thank you to our fans. First of all, we wouldn't do with this if people didn't watch it. And uh, with last year and a half and COVID and us, you know, going to Zoom and doing these podcasts, you guys have still been there supporting. Chris is putting, putting out all the side stuff and we're working really hard the last year. So it's it's been a really good year for us and having everybody watch along and enjoy F1 as much as we do. And, you know, especially in this thrilling season that we're pro- probably never going to see again. So, yeah, just, you know, enjoy it where we, who knows what happens in the next few days and what happens next year for the 2022 season, new rules. Uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's going to be super interesting because we don't know what's going to happen in 2022, but it's for sure not going to be like this one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll be really, really awesome to see what happens. And and thanks to you guys as well. You know, you guys have been a lot busier with your own uh, work lives as well than I have been. So I've kind of done some of my own videos on the side, but you guys have been pretty flexible with your schedules coming in after busy days at work and things like that. And like tonight, staying up uh, a little bit later to, uh, you know, do the podcast as well. So thank you to you both and all your inputs on this episode and throughout the whole year. It's been really fun doing the podcast and we've made it work however we've made it work. And we've been doing that for the last four or five years now. So we're going to keep going much farther. Keep pushing, as uh, as the world champion would say. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. If you've made it this far, we really appreciate you listening or watching on YouTube. We are not done for 2021, though, because we're still going to have our season recap, which is probably going to come out in the next week or two. We're going to record that probably soon. And then we've also got some other videos that are going to be coming out, maybe just some opinion pieces looking back on the 2021 season on more than just the drivers out at the front. You know, maybe some videos on Carlos Sainz, maybe some of the videos on the rookies. And then we'll take some time off during Christmas and we'll be back in the new year ready to push on for the 2022 season. So until then, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that like on that podcast player as well if you enjoyed it. And make sure to stay with us on social media at TBMF1 Show for all the latest updates. For Tyler McDonald, Shaker Barty, I'm Chris Cato. For the final race recap of 2021, it is bye for now. Thank you very much, everyone.